In this month's True Connections podcast, Alan Hooks is joined by Rutu Buddev, founder and managing director of Amara Property Investments Limited. In this episode, Rutu discusses creating more sustainable homes, welcoming women into the industry, and the principles she stands by as a leader. Rutu, it's really great to speak to you today and a big welcome from all of us on True Connections today. Thank you, Alan. It's a pleasure to be here. We're looking forward to speaking to you in particular, given your vast array of experience over the years and really keen to hear a little bit more about your business, Amara Property, as well as just to get a few observations from you in terms of your life as an entrepreneur and a leader, particularly in your industry. So why don't we start with Amara Property and, you know, I guess your journey to establishing the business. Yeah, so I founded Amara Property in early 2011. And it was a little bit of a fluke, a little bit of, you know, I would say a personal interest to get into it. And I think we've been very fortunate to be able to grow the company from 2011 into a very multi-stemmed company that manages the full life cycle of property development. So as a company, we do all our initial feasibilities. We have the experience to take a site through the planning system. And we also build out all of our own sites with our own construction company and market and sell all of our homes. Our family, we call our Amara family, the team, we're over 10 people now. And I think as a business, we're all very much inclined to reach our goal, which I think we always have to set ourselves higher than we want to get to. And our our goal really is to be the largest luxury developer in North London. And you concentrate, as far as I understand, on residential property, and it feels like it's very concentrated, obviously, in that part of London. Is there any sort of plans or you know, possibilities for you to take your model and explore other locations, countries, potentially? Probably not yet. I think we have a lot of territory that we can still cover where we are. We are looking to expand ever so slightly, but very much in kind of the home counties, not too far from where we are. I think the reality of having a successful build really involves the ability for the team to be able to be present. So we found that, you know, we try and keep our sites probably no more than 45 minutes away from where we're all based just to make sure that we can manage it successfully. And in terms of the last 10 years of your operation, Ruta, what's been some of the major challenges? And clearly we've had a global pandemic partway through that, which I guess would have been hugely disruptive as it was for many. But what other standout challenges have you seen in your business over that last decade? Well, I think there've been multiple ones. I mean, we started in 2011, which was probably the height of the credit crunch. So that was our first challenge really was to try and have a successful development company when there was absolutely no credit available. And then obviously the pandemic, as you touched upon, was hugely life-changing. I think we sometimes forget now just how traumatic the lockdowns were and how it really made everybody reevaluate their lives. The main challenge, I think, is really just being an entrepreneur. We kind of forget how difficult that process is and the persistence that it requires just to keep going on a day-to-day basis. But I think, you know, over time, I've always found that a challenge can be a good thing. It can be a fabulous learning experience. And that is really, you know, as we grow, it's really our experiences and our mistakes that we've learned from that give us the ability, I think, to kind of push forward. And how do you balance those two? You alluded to it just then, Ruta, in terms of the challenges, but equally, I guess, the opportunities that entrepreneurship brings and the potential benefits it can bring to your organisation. How do you balance those two? How do you 
maintain that resilience as a leader? Well, I think it's always kind of reminding yourself, you know, what is your goal? What is your purpose? Why do we do what we do? I think for me to feel motivated and to have purpose in my life, I feel that very much reflects to the happiness. And I think that's really what keeps me going. I feel that when I have something to work towards and you know, for us, it's really growing the business, scaling our business. It provides me with a lot of satisfaction when, as a team, we're able to achieve that. So I think that's really what keeps us going day by day. It's the ability to focus on the goal and know that we are getting closer to it. How do you go about aligning everybody to that particular goal within Amara Property? I guess an organization of your size, it would seem to be relatively straightforward. But how do you go about bringing your people together and aligning to that goal? Yeah, I think it's quite important to bring like-minded people together. And when someone does join the team, that's something I very much look for. Obviously, ability is important, but, you know, I think also the ability to kind of be able to be part of that team and commit to it. We are currently in quite a bit of a growth stage. And I think with the team, it's all about really raising our expectations, making sure that everybody is aware of those expectations, increasing the urgency, because at the end of the day, we know that everything we have to do is important in a timely fashion. And then I think at the same time, just elevating the general intensity of the work. So as a team, we are very goal-oriented with every single project. And a lot of it boils down to time frame, for example, being completing a site within a certain time frame or selling it in a certain time frame. And as a team, we tend to work very closely together. We spend a lot of time together. We try and do social things outside of work. And I think that helps build the relationship, not just between each other, but between our families. I personally have two younger kids and a husband. So it's always nice, I think, for me to meet the families of the people that we work with so that we can really create a community. You just mentioned their timeframes and just coming back to the pandemic for a second, which, as we said, you know, would have been hugely disruptive for an organisation like yours. Given all of our learnings from COVID-19, as it was known then, what do you take from that in terms of the business going forward? I guess, what have you learned from that? And how do you look at things differently as a result of that? Sure. I think COVID for us was as devastating as it was, was also a big opportunity. I think it allowed us to kind of reinspect ourselves and really prioritize what we thought was important with our homes. And we realized that, you know, as the pandemic raged on, people started reevaluating that family, home, happiness, these were the things that mattered the most. And we started then designing our homes with these sort of attributions. So we'd make sure we'd have, you know, sufficient living areas for families to congregate and have good garden and outdoor spaces for families to spend time together outdoors. And we almost changed our product a little bit. And also we tried to standardize our product. So we're kind of trying to do a lot more homes within a certain price bracket, which tend to have a certain specification as well. And we try and kind of bring that level of specification as affordable as possible into every single home. So I think for us, the pandemic, if anything, was a good thing. It allowed us to look into our product in a lot more detail. It allowed us to standardize, I think, also our procurement systems, which is quite volatile and very important in construction. The ability to manage really lead times and program times. And we were able to, I think, focus our energies a lot more on those. So when we look back and reevaluate 2020, and also just, I would say, a bit of 2021, it really, I think, allowed the team to boil down into focusing on the values of the business and the quality of our product. Going back to, I guess, 2011, Ruta, you talked about you know, the challenges established in the business way back then. 
And isn't it intriguing? You spoke about the credit crunch back in 2011 and the difficulty from an economic perspective that were around at the time. Of course, it feels like things are coming full circle again, doesn't it? And could be particularly challenging for residential property market, certainly in the UK. What other challenges do you see, Rutu, coming out of the current situation that we're facing now with rising costs of borrowing, continued challenges, I guess, around procurement of materials and supplies? One, I guess, what are the challenges you're seeing there? And how are you preparing yourselves within Amara to deal with those? Yeah, it's definitely a little bit of a turbulent time right now. And it does feel like we're walking down memory lane a little bit from when we started the business. You know, I think it's definitely going to be difficult for families. There's, you know, affordability is going to get a little bit tighter and some families are going to feel squeezed. Our product and the range that we build in, I would say, is more of the middle to upper middle end of the market where there is more of a disposable income. But I still think that when there are challenging times, people go back and reevaluate their lives and think, okay, what is important? And we do find that we have such a strong connection to our homes to the spaces we live in with our loved ones. And we do envision that the importance of, you know, owning a home and hopefully a beautiful home is still important. So we, I think, as a business need to take on these challenges and say, how can we make sure that our potential customers are having the right home for them that is affordable for them and affordable for them to borrow against and sustain their mortgages against? And as a business, really, we are just trying to streamline ourselves and streamline our costs a little bit further to see where we can make additional savings, which in essence if needed, we can pass on to the end user. And from a procurement angle, I think we are definitely on the other end of that. 2021 was a difficult year for global supply chains, and we were definitely affected by that. We have totally, for example, done a 360 in the way that we procure any of our developments. So I would call us our pre-COVID strategy was very much a procurement based on necessity at the time. Since COVID, we started doing a lot of future procurement on a construction site. So for example, before we broke down, we would have already kind of ordered our windows, our roof tiles, any other long lead items that we knew would take some time to get to us. And this strategy, I think, really helped us in managing our programs and also managing our budgets. So it's really just going back to basics, I think, for us as a business and making sure that we are implementing all of these learnings that we've had in the last couple of years to make sure that we can weather the storm and, if anything, come out stronger on the other end. Like any great leader, Ruti, you speak a lot about your team around you, particularly at Amara, and the skills that you've managed to pull together. And that is core ingredient, I guess, the success of your business and many others. Where do your, I guess, skills and more importantly, passions lie, Ruta? Are you one with an eye for design? Do you like nothing more than trudging around a site with hard hat and boots on? Where is it that your skills lie? And talk to us a little bit about some of the skills that the team has within it. Sure. I mean, when I look at myself, I think I've very much evolved from, you know, 2011 to now. When I started the business, it was just myself. So I was, you know, jack of all trades and master of none. But as time has gone, I think I've kind of learned a lot about myself and learned about where it is that I excel. And I do feel for me, it is kind of being part of that overall growth strategy for the business and making sure that we have the right people, the right inputs to just make sure that we are kind of growing in the way that we want to grow. When it comes to the team, I think it's so important to let each 
team member almost be their own boss and have that autonomy to make their own decisions and have the accountability then to stand by those decisions. So I'm not a micromanager, definitely. I give a lot of responsibility to each of my team members with clear guidelines, who's responsible for what. And we all tend to communicate regularly and make sure that we're all kind of flowing on the same page. But I think as a leader, that's probably one of the core strengths, really, is to bring the team together, try and really get out the best from each person. And at the same time, I think, you know, having a human nature to it as well. We're all individuals. We're all humans out of the day. We have good days. We have bad days. And we kind of try and be sympathetic and understanding towards each other as well. I mean, tack a little bit rooted to women in your industry, construction, property development, It's not really renowned as an industry that has a large population of women working within it and, like you, leaders within it. What's your observation of that situation in terms of property and, I guess, more broadly, construction? Yeah, you kind of got the nail on the head there. There's very, very few women in the industry and even less so, I think, as you venture out onto the construction side. I think in all of my years that I have had being a developer, I've only come across one woman on a construction site. It's definitely something I think the industry as a whole has to work towards to tap into the population that they've kind of ignored for such a long time and be more welcoming to them within the industry. On the developer side, again, I've probably not come across many of the women that probably do what I do. And it's something I personally am quite passionate about. Within our team, we do have quite a few women. And I do like to think that we bring a lot to the table. But overall, definitely, it's something the industry as a whole does have to try and prioritize, you know, with the skills shortage and just the level of expertise that is required to take the houseboarding industry, especially in the UK, and build enough homes that are required. They need to bring in the right skill sets. And being able to tap into more women and a larger pie of the workforce is, is probably the way to do that. Do you, do you see some concentration in certain parts of the industry? For example, whether it's, I don't know, design or architecture or planning, whatever it might be. Is there any sort of pockets of women leading the way in terms of those types of skills or is it generally a lack of presence of women across the board? There's definitely parts of the industry where you could say are more female dominated, design being one of them. Definitely in terms of interior design, it's probably a lot more female dominated. I do find on some consultant levels, be it you know, from planners or any sort of consultants that we might engage with, be it on a sustainability level or you know ecological level or something of that sort. So I do come across women on those managerial sort of roles, but that's probably where the concentration ends. Are you seeing a changing face, however? Are you seeing progress being made in these areas they were to, despite what we've just been talking about? Probably not enough. I think ever given the opportunity to talk about the topic, I'll definitely put my hand up. But I think for a lot of women, it's the ability to see another woman doing that role. And I do think if I could put myself a little bit more out there, hopefully it can attract more women into the field. Often these things are led by many of the big companies, many of the big organisations, who can really start to, one, make a difference and start to turn the dial in terms of a change of approach. Have you seen really good examples of big companies leading the way, whether it's house builders or developers? Most definitely. The larger house builders and developers do tend to set the trends. And they are massively focusing on trying to increase the number of women in their teams through apprenticeship programs and training that they offer. And it is definitely an area that has seen a lot of growth. And I think for the smaller developers such as ourselves, it's really, I think, um, our responsibility to do what we can as well. And from your own business perspective, 
within Amara Property Ritu. When you start to look at your developments and your projects that you and the team start to work on, do you consider design for potentially female clients, female property purchasers? Is that in any of your thinking or is that too specific? You know, it's really funny that you say that because we always find that when we have a home that we're selling, it's always a woman that ends up making the decision. So we do definitely cater to that. And I think that's probably one of our USPs. So we will always make sure that we have an absolutely amazing kitchen with top of the range appliances. We make sure that our master bedrooms, master bathrooms are really spectacular as well. And we do find that at the end of the day, it's always a woman that kind of says, yes, that is the home that I want us to live in. And that's kind of where the ball starts rolling. So maybe being a woman in this industry has given us a little bit of an advantage. And so within Amara Property, do you have a strong female presence amongst the team? So we're probably about 30% women, and I would definitely like to grow that. But of course, the teams and the external partners that you work within, I guess there is a presence along those same sorts of proportions. I would think so, yeah. I think most companies now will try and aspire to get to that 50% balance, and they are working towards that. And Ritu, often we all need an inspiration. And particularly now it feels that everybody is battling with the ability to be resilient in their lives, whether that's in their personal lives or in their professional lives. Where do you draw your inspiration as a leader from? I think I've been very fortunate to have grown up in a home where my parents were also business owners. My father in particular, he's a self-made man. And I had firsthand education in terms of what it took for him to become successful in his journey. He was able to show us, I think, at a very young age that it is possible to achieve your goals by sheer perseverance and grit. And I think as children, you know, we did generally talk about everything, not just our days at school, but, you know, issues that they could have had in the business or a new product that they were working on. And I do think that that sort of open communication really helped see the world a little bit differently. So in essence, for my inspiration, I'm definitely hugely inspired by my own father's success. He definitely continues to be my role model today and is a mentor. And always an ear, I think, when I do need to speak to somebody and run an idea past. So I kind of take my inspiration, I think, from looking back into my family and seeing how far they've come. Is he involved with you in Amara Property? So when I started the business, yes, very much so. But as the business has grown, I have kind of led it in my own direction. So he's more involved, I think, in terms of guidance and just being a mentor. Ruta, how good is he at leaving you to get on with it rather than poke his nose in? surprisingly good. (laughs) I think it goes over time, you know, maybe for every parent to just be able to let go and let your children fall and get up on their own is probably hard. I have kids of my own, so I can understand that. But he's definitely got a hands-off approach and he's really let me make my own decisions. Of course, you know, he'll always share his thoughts and I value those a lot. But I think it's important as well to be able to have independence and authority in my own accord. What's one of the key themes that threads its way through all of your developments within Amara? I guess you know some people would see it as a bit of a hallmark. What would you say is a hallmark of an Amara development for you? For us, it's definitely, I think, the luxury of the homes and really the design of the homes. But I think the third leg of that is the fact that all of our homes are a lot more sustainable than our competitors' homes. It's something I personally very much believe in. I do think we all have to do what we can to reduce our carbon footprint. And we always try and do that, not just while we're building the homes, because that's such a short period of time, but the real value of the sustainable measures comes into place over the life of that home, which could be 
you know, more than 50 years, for example. So we want to make sure that our homes are airtight enough that they use less energy to begin with. And then the energy that they do use is coming in from some sustainable source. For example, a few years ago, we built two pretty large 4,000 square foot houses whereby we put solar panels on them, but we also put in a Tesla battery, which was a new product that Tesla took out at the time. And the battery stored a large amount of solar energy and what would happen is when the homeowners were out during the day and solar energy was at its peak, the battery collected it. And when they were normally home in the evenings and consuming the energy, they were able to use the energy that they had collected during the day. It's important, I think, that the energy that we are collecting is used for the homes rather than being you know, sold to the grid, for example. And Ruta, it's great to hear that you have that eye on sustainability for me development perspective how do you ensure that some of your partners some of your suppliers are abiding to the same principles when it comes to sustainability it's difficult for us to ensure they abide by it but it's all about the product choices that we make so for example if we were to choose a window to be installed we would make sure the window was of a certain quality in terms of its u-value so that it is more of a sustainable product so we try and fill our supply chain as much as possible with more sustainable products and finally, Ruti, from what you've, I guess, learned over the years as a business owner, as an entrepreneur as well, and also from your career outside of Amara, what sort of principles do you stand by as a leader? Well, I think, you know, it's really the principle of having discipline and being able to put the hard work in. The reality is, you know, for growth or any purpose to be achieved, you know, there is no shortcut and your business is very much all consuming. I also very much believe in, you know, inclusivity. The reality is that, you know, we have to make relationships with the right partners, being, you know, from lenders to investors to consultants to team members and then really be able to share the benefits of that growth and i probably think the last and probably the most important principle is really to be able to live by integrity and it's important i think to be a trustworthy and an honest entrepreneur and to ensure that you know the values of these are not just how we run the business but i think also should translate into our homes so for example we've taken a sustainability approach to our homes quite a long time ago probably long before it was kind of a requirement. We make sure that we, you know, always have something sustainable in every single development, be it from solar panels to air sort of heat pumps, all other sorts of recycling measures as well. So I think it is important to live by the principles. And I think for the rest of my team and my associates to also see and trust us, I think, to know that we will deliver when we say we will do something. So it does take time, I think, to build that trust. And the only way to do that really is through action over time. I really love that, Rusi. Just the number of organizations and businesses that can be successful if they can link in their values and live by their integrity within their organizations. I think there'll be many more as successful as yours by living by those two principles. I really enjoyed hearing that. Ruthie, thank you very much for joining us. I've really enjoyed having you on today. It's been great to hear from you and learn a little bit more about Amara. Clearly an enormous success over the last decade, which has been a challenging period for many of us. And I'm sure there'll be many more challenges along the way, but wish you continued success for you and the team as you grow the business and great to have you on. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure speaking to you today. That's all for this edition of Julius Bear's True Connections podcast. Thank you for listening. And please do keep in touch with us on Twitter, LinkedIn and at juliusbear.com. Thank you.